Thirty uh, first of July. Sorry, I keep my uh, get my mumps missed. <laughs> Fucking cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode seven of Bring It to the Table. I'm Stephen and I'm back again with George and Connor. Uh, Every other week we come to you with suggestions for things to get interested in. And it's the hope that the other two members of our table take those away with them and the listener at home as well, maybe find something new that they're interested in. Uh, We've had all sorts been and gone from this table we've had pokemon cards we've had freestyle rappers comic books game shows literally nothing is off topic uh, last week or last show we had a fantastic guest it was reese mason from the band myoto a fellow band member with connor he spoke to us about some interesting stuff really it was kind of like his career in professional wrestling yeah that's right uh, and how that kind of linked to his passion in music now and is, is a front man of a band so yeah great great listen if you haven't listened to any episodes go back and listen we are on spotify and you can hit us up on social media as well it's at bitpod which is at bitpod b-i-triple-t-p-o-d so boys well it feels like a long time since we last all got together doesn't it how are you doing connor yeah not too bad mate the weather is taking a sharp turn isn't it it's really cold and rainy now so enjoying the time indoors but, you know, apart from that, I can't complain. Quite positive here. I know I said that before, but it's so chill, mate. Really nice. <laughs> Speaking of my own, so I know that there's some uh, some semi-exciting news that you may be able to share on the podcast today. Yes, you're right. Yeah, well done for being more on it than me, mate. <laughs> the news was, we wanted to say it last time, but obviously the announcement hadn't been released Yeah, we've got a gig at the Thirsty Scholar on the 31st of July, which would be exciting stuff, really. As I said, it's our first one. Tickets will be a tenner, I believe. They go on sale this Thursday, which is, guys, let's check the calendar. When is this Thursday? It's the 6th of May. They go on sale on the 6th of May. So when you're hearing this, it will already be past the 6th of May. So you don't need to know that. (laughs) <laughs> very true but what oh, we'll do in you know as all good friends should do is we'll put the website up on our show notes so you can go try and get tickets it'll probably sell out pretty quick i know that me and george will definitely be looking to go to that i'm going to be bringing charlie i imagine fern will be coming as well uh, just a little peek behind the curtain there at our little love lives so yeah my great news very exciting we were we were sort of it was all a bit under wraps wasn't it on the last episode with with reese it wasn't allowed to be announced but thirsty scholars a great venue on oxford road in manchester and it's yeah. the kind of the debut gig is it yeah that's right mate it'll be the first one that we've done all together live we've got one that we're doing live streaming before which no one can actually go to so it's kind of like the proper let's say the christening show getting christianed we- yeah, this is it, mate. But the funny thing is, we the first time we all met together was at the Thirsty Scholar having a beer. Oh, wow. So it just happened to be the same bar that we're playing at our first gig. How That's poetic. a nice little story, isn't it? Yeah, massively. And how are you doing, George? I know that you've been a very busy boy recently. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Like, obviously, uh, for listeners at home, I work in hospitality, so everything's just got ramped up. Um, and... Uh, yeah, basically, we're gearing up for the 17th of May when everybody will finally be allowed inside our pubs and venues. 
Um, so yeah, I'll be looking to uh, try and chill down after the 17th. But prior to that, I'm going to be a very, very busy boy. To be honest, I am just super excited for Connor's gig. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, for, for the listeners at home as well, Connor has been uh, my sensei. He's been teaching me a few bits and bobs on drums. I haven't actually had a chance to do it for the past week because I've, I've been so busy, but I've been really enjoying that. And I can't actually wait to see Connor up on stage doing his thing. Um, I've seen him obviously in a, a private room and he's fucking... <laughs> Have you <laughs> now? <laughs> <laughs> well, back to the band. <laughs> yeah, well, back to I'm the band. Amsterdam, stays in Amsterdam, George. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I shouldn't talk about these things. It's, uh, it's supposed to not be an R-rated show, is it? But uh, anyway, yeah, I am super excited to see you live dude Can't oh thanks wait. man yeah honestly i'm excited as well thank you boys you've been very kind to me there that was really lovely we're kind <laughs> to you every episode you little prick speaking of uh more good news as well boys did you know so this is episode seven today right yes over the course of our six little episodes that we've done on this little podcast that we do we've had 300 plays on spotify oh wow nice. so you're looking at about 50 ago there uh, certainly a couple more episodes more popular than the others. But it's great. Yeah, I was looking through some of the numbers today. Lovely words of uh, encouragement and sort of people giving us nice feedback all the time as well. Uh, just shout out a few people like Lewis, Rory, Sean, Gaz, Dan, Caden and Lovey. Chris Love got in touch on Twitter as well, just to say that he's really enjoying the show. Uh, and yeah, it's just really nice to know that people are uh, picking it up every time it's released uh, and we kind of going to continue down this path, just trying to keep it interesting for you. So yeah, thank you for listening, guys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so I think we should get down to it. And I think on the back of the good news of Myoto having their christening at the end of July, we'll come to you first, Connor. So I know that Reese has got the jingle, but before that drops, I'm going to ask you, to bring it to the table. <clears throat> bring it to the table! I know you didn't want me to do that, but it felt like you were trying to audition me for the yeah, next yeah, very series, good. maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bring it to the table! Right, thank you very much, guys. Here we go, then. So, my topic today is drums. George, hey! you'd be very happy to hear that, wouldn't you? You can tell I'm running out of ideas. <laughs> so, yeah, drums. I'm going to bring to the table a big old drum kit, and I'm going to try and get all of you interested in at home as well. So where do we start with drums? Well, we start from the beginning. If you don't know what a drum kit is, I'm going to have to explain it, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Typically, drums are big old shells of wood with bits of skin on top, like plastic skin, I think. I don't know what it's made of. It isn't real skin, though. And... They have uh, metal sort of brackets around holding the skin onto the drum shell and you hit it with a stick and it makes a noise. And this is how drums work, basically. You just hit a big old bit of skin and it makes a sound. A standard drum kit would probably have about four or five pieces in it. You'd have a snare drum, three toms or tom-toms, and a kick drum, which is that big old one at the bottom that people use with their foot. Are you aware of these ones already, guys? Well, so, uh, very briefly from a little session with you, I understand for 
for, for any uh, non-drummer fans out there, the kick drum is usually the one that has the name of the band written on the front, right? That's right. That's a really good way of saying it, mate. Yeah, it's a big one with a lovely... <laughs> it's just a, like a... Like, the skin is facing you, isn't it? Like, when you see big bands like Biffy Clyro, they've always got a lovely graphic on those bass drums. Quite eye-catching. And that is the kick drum. So there's a little pedal on the kick drum that you use, and you press down on it, and it hit, makes a beater hit the skin, and it makes the boom noise. That's the one I can play. You can, well, you're better than you think, Stephen. A lot of people <laughs> are quite humble when they start out, but I think you two especially were advanced. But we're going to go through that in a bit later, in a bit, in a bit more depth a bit later. But for now, I just wanted to get the basics down of what the actual drums are. So I've explained what a sort of standard four-piece or five-piece kit looks like. They normally have symbols on them as well. So symbols, guys, do you know what symbols are? I do, mate. I think I know them. Okay, cool. What is a symbol then, George? Well, it's the metal discs that you you hit. There is the hi hat. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. And then the other two. <laughs> the other two. Steve, it's been, it's been like a week of not playing, so. <laughs> nah. That was one of the drums. Bastard. That's okay. Uh, no I do. You told me recently, but I've forgotten. So a lot of drum symbols are sometimes named after. On is it onomatopoeia? No. What the, what's it called when the noise it makes is what it's called? Onomatopoeia. It is onomatopoeia. So one of the main symbols is called a crash. Because when you oh, hit it, yes. it oh. goes crash. And the other main symbol is called a ride. And when you hit that, it definitely doesn't make a ride noise. <laughs> ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's loads of different symbols as well. Another one that is the onomatopoeia name is called a splash. And it's a little tiny version of a crash that goes Spish! Nice. Yeah. So I don't know who coined these names, but I'm loving them. Sounds like cavemen. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we've established the symbols as well. So that's the two main things with drums, is the actual drums that you hit and the symbols. And with those things together, guys, you have a full kit. And with most full kits, you can play the majority of pop songs, majority of rock songs. The majority of modern music in general would be based on one of these four or five piece kits with the symbols. There's loads of different types of drums from different uh, places around the world. You know, I can't actually name any of the top of my head, but you've got the, is it the, the jumbi, the African drum, which is quite like, like a long wooden one. I might have to cut this. Is that the hourglass one? Yes, that's it. Yes. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, tablas as well from India. They're quite similar Mm. to the, well, they're not similar actually, but you know, they're very different to the drum kit that I'm explaining at the start, which is the, you know, the classic, uh, sorry, the modern type of drum that most people see mm. and hear in pop music. So if you establish that, what else can I mention about these before I get started on the actual lesson? I'll talk about me. <laughs> How did I get into it? What else? Yeah. Yeah, so I started drums in 2007 when I was 11 years old. I just joined secondary school. And I got put into a tutor group with a lad called Ben. And Ben was a exceptional guitarist at the time. Very talented, really cool. And I thought, I want to be like that. What, what can I do? I don't want to learn guitar because it's just like I'm copying him. Hmm. So I thought, right, it's either bass, guitar or drums. So to my uh, parents' delight, I chose drums. <laughs> and I went into the local music store a couple of weeks afterwards and said, I hear you doing lessons here. I want to play drums. What can I do? 
and this is behind my dad's back as well. And they said, yeah, you can come down for a free lesson as a taster tonight at like six o'clock. So I thought, right, I'll do it. Get my dad to drop me off. Half an hour, bam, that was it. Hooked. I knew nice. it. I knew I wanted to do it. Yeah. So I was training for a talent show at the end of the year. So this was October. <clears throat> and in December, we do an annual talent show in school. And me and Ben thought it'd be a really good idea to play a song together, just drums and guitar. And I wasn't very good. And we went up on stage and played. And it was really bad. But there was this guy called Jamal on the front seats <laughs> who mimed to me, your shit constantly. <laughs> <laughs> it was the most mortifying thing. I know, yeah, yeah. But it spurred me on, I think, because I was ready to pack it in after that. But then I also thought, I really want to prove everyone wrong that I'm not shit. I was just a bit not as experienced as most people would before they hit their first yeah, show. Yeah, you. Yeah, so Jamal, if you are listening, fuck you. <laughs> but thanks for listening yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah the rest is history after that I carried on having drum lessons until about 2012 then I went to college and thought nah I don't want to give up my Saturday mornings anymore I could still have done with the lessons but you know that's a story for another day and yeah I've been in a few bands drums has been a big part of my life without drums I don't think I'd have long hair now uh, I probably wouldn't have a girlfriend I think I'd be quite overweight <laughs> Uh, probably just play RuneScape all day. So I'm quite grateful that drums have saved my life and benefited it in this way, really. And I, that's what I kind of want to bring to you guys, especially, you know, if you if you don't already play an instrument and you're not interested, if you haven't given it a go, please give it a go. And I'm going to now tell you what you should do if you want to give it a go. So drum kits are quite expensive normally, okay? I mean, most, most nice things are, but if you want a decent bit of kit, you're looking at spunking away about two grand at the start, which to me is a lot of money to part with for something that you might not actually use that much. Mm. So that could be the first hurdle for a lot of people that want to play drums. And secondly, the noise that the drum kit makes is the big turnoff. So what I do suggest, guys, is that there are studios all around the world. One of the main ones that I use are called Pirate Studios. And the way they work is they're kind of like a rental space. So you can go in and play a drum kit there by the hour. So I think it was seven pounds I used to pay. You can book it online, a couple hours, 14 pounds. It's got a full drum kit. It's got some speakers that you can plug in your own music and you don't have to worry about the noise. Those things there are huge. Mm. For someone just starting out playing drums because mm. it just solves all the issues really, you know, and then if, if you don't like it, you've only paid 14 pounds for a couple hours of it. Yeah. You've given it a go. So that's pirate studios. We'll give them a little link in the, uh, it was it the show description. We normally put stuff in. Is that what Yeah, definitely. Yeah. In the show notes and we can put them on social media as well. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, I've been just the once with you guys and yeah. I can attest to what Connor's saying. It's such a, nice place to just feel like you've got you, you know it, it's not completely high spec but if you want to go in there and just practice an instrument for a bit like knowing that it's your own zone and knowing that you're not pissing off anyone around you like you say 14 quid it's like what, three pints two pints if you're in an expensive pub yeah. like it's nothing really and yeah yeah well i mean i've i've 
Connor has, has has been in teaching me on the side, and I'm obviously very grateful for that. And I have been alone um, and just gone down there and, and played some um, some drums. It's it's not actually seven pounds, so basically it's seven pounds without the symbols. So sadly, if you don't have your own symbols, you will have to go down there and get a uh, a room that does have the sim- symbols included. But it's not much more. I think it's it's uh, eleven pounds if memory serves me right. Uh, per hour um, but I will 100% be on board with Connor and say that if you want to learn how to play drums this is 100% the way to do it and um, they've got mixers desks there so you can play your own music so long as you bring anything like an iPod basically anything with a, a jack so you can bring a laptop or an iPod or something like that you can play your music and you can try and drum along to it but you know getting a feel for the kit is so key to just learning but connor is 100 percent right if, if if you wanted to learn it's 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 a great way to do it and it's not too expensive just to try it out and if it's mm. something that you wanted to do uh, which for me it 100 is something i really have always wanted to do and like connor said one of the main reasons i have not done it for so long is the, the how loud it is you know it's so it, it you know nobody wants a drum kit in the house and disturbing the neighbors and stuff like that so going away to a different place is, is is great but yeah it's also the cost and this is a great way to sort of mitigate that upfront cost that's absolutely right mate well said george they do well staring away from the studios there are such things called electric drum kits which are meant to defeat the sound problem from a real drum kit but for me they're still quite loud because you're still hitting something and then it's going through to the floor and to the wall if it's pushed against the wall so going to somewhere like pirate studios is the best way i cannot emphasize it any more than what i've just been saying especially how george has said it as well by the way you should also probably buy your own drumsticks before you go there because they don't give you your own drumsticks (laughs) a key part of drumming i understand Yeah. yeah (laughs) <laughs> they are cheap. They are cheap. Yeah, we can get about a good pair to go for, guys. Is a Vic Fur Five A's. You can get from Amazon. They're about eight quid, I think. Really, really good pairs of stick. I'm still using them now. They're quite light. They're really nice to play with. So check that out first. But when you go there, what you meant to do? Not all of you will be blessed to have me there showing you the ropes like these two. <laughs> so I'm going to give you something to take away from this. They're called rudiments, okay? Now, in my head, rudiments, I might not have the, uh, the actual description of them right, but rudiments are like drum rolls that you do with your hands, okay? So if you look at your hands now, you've got your left hand and your right hand. Rudiments are basically, if you did a drum roll and it goes like this, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left. So that's with your right hand, your left hand. That's a rudiment. It's really important in drumming, especially when you're learning, to try different rudiments, okay? And the rudiment I want to show you guys is purely this. It goes right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left. Sounds simple, doesn't it? When you start speeding it up, it sounds incredible, but it's so your brain doesn't want to do it because it's not natural to your brain. That's what I've found anyway. So when you're learning these rudiments, it's really important to start off slowly, slower than you think, because your brain wants to rush away with a lot of these drum beats, especially if you, if you listen to quite uh, 
fast-paced music in general, your inner metronome is going to naturally be quite fast. We need to bypass that and we need to come down to a much, much slower sort of BPM so your body and brain can adapt to what it's trying to do with these rudiments. Try it with me, okay? I'm going to count. I'm going to do it and you're going to try it. Just tap with your hands on your, on your thighs or something, okay? Here we go. Right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left. Oh, Black Betty, bam, bam. <laughs> How easy does that make it go into a song, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like when I was there with you, kind of like you're completely right there. I kept going so fast because I was just like, I couldn't separate the left brain from the right to do like two different things at once. And I know that might sound a bit basic, but I've literally never played drums until that day with you a few weeks back. Uh, I've always wanted to play an instrument. And I think even on a broader scale, what you were saying about the noise of drums, I, I think even like guitar, I used to be a bit cautious of the noise I'd make when you're playing it badly for those first few weeks or months. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I think it kind of extends to a lot of instruments, you know, it could even be like brass instruments like uh, saxophones and whatnot can be quite painful to listen to uh, from uh, sort of outsider when you're trying to learn it. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely and, and right. you're definitely right. Like it, it's my thing was just to get, you get so giddy once you've got like a little bit of rhythm yeah. that then you just start going way faster and then your brain's like, wait a minute, <laughs> I yeah. don't know what's going on anymore. And you just, I, I think I messed up like a hundred times, but no, <laughs> I think you, you bang on with the, the pace thing. Well, this is it. You, you know, you don't want to, you, you can't expect yourself to be good at the start. Your body's not used to doing four different things at once. So set aside 20 minutes a day if you want to do it seriously or a week, whatever, but you get out what you put in, right? Mm. That's very important, but just have fun with it. If you want a couple good songs to play along to, Back in Black by ACDC is the first proper song I learned. And also Seven Nation Army by The White Stripes. Really, really good and simple, but cool sounding drum songs to try and learn. And once you unlock that, the rest of it will just fall into place. Yeah, mm. and there's, there's quite a lot of, I, I think I'm right in saying this, there's quite a lot of songs that sort of follow that same rhythmic path as acdc's uh back in black like the, the, there's quite a lot of songs you can attribute attribute that to and mm -hmm. I, I like i think there's green day like boulevard of broken dreams and stuff like that like there's, there's loads of them anyway um but can i ask connor so obviously yeah. the rudiments that you talk about yes um they seem almost quite uh basic and for anybody um who's got it nailed down your right left right left is there a way to incorporate your foot because i mean i know from experience with yourself that the the feet become um like such a, a massive part of of the drumming experience like as in you've got to coordinate your left and right hands and then your foot it's almost like driving a car, you know, you've got to sort of learn each part separately. So do rudiments include that? Can you can you find these online as well? Is, is this something that, you know, our listeners at home are, are able to go and try and find? Of course. I mean, there, there, there's hundreds of, hundreds of different rudiments out there. Hmm. Drummers write their own and put them online to challenge other drummers to try and do. Hmm. When you're doing them really fast, they sound amazing. And when you move them around the drum kit as well, so you do like one on the foot, uh, one on the kick drum or one one on the snare as well makes this really cool drum feel but to incorporate the kick drum yeah you can use it to keep yourself in time whilst you're doing these rudiments or you could completely swap your right hand for your kick drum so you're just playing it along with your left hand and your right foot instead there's all sorts you can do really but 
just for starters, stick with your hands, get them used to it. And then when you feel a little bit more confident, I definitely, as you suggested, George, try and get your foot involved to keep yourself in time and then possibly go on to swap your foot with one of your hands. Yeah. Possibilities are endless, really. It's a good question to ask, though, George, because I did look, overlook that bit. But, yeah, yeah, I appreciate you bringing well, I mean, that up. What you just said there as well about, like, slowing it down and stuff like that, that's that's a great piece of advice that you uh, have given me in the past when you've been giving me my uh, my lessons and you've you've sort of um, told me to just slow it down and then speed it up at a time that feels comfortable. I think that can be quite an important lesson to sort of give the listeners at home as well. Just go at a really slow pace and then just speed it up. It becomes like it, it sort of cements in your mind a little bit easier, I think, if you, you try to take it a bit slower. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So that's about it, really. Listeners at home, let us know how you get on if you want to give it a go. If you're loving it and you want to hear more, always get in touch. We're always happy to help you out there. Our tags are show at bitpod. No, our email address is show at bitpod. Stephen, help me out here. What? How do you get in touch? So if what Connor's talking to you about has got you interested or if you play drums already and would just like to talk to us about any of this stuff uh, or even if you've tried it in the past and you've been turned off it for one reason or another, do get in touch with us. You can email us at show at bitpod.com, which is B-I-T-T-P-O-D. Or you can also get in touch via Instagram or Twitter, which is probably the better of the places to get in touch because we are more active on those socials. Uh, again, that is just at Bitpod. So B-I-T-T-P-O-D. We'd love, as always, for people to get in touch if they've got any similar stories. It doesn't even have to be drums necessarily. It could just be any instrument. But I think that safety and that uh, knowing that there's all of these places on your doorstep to go to that are relatively cheap, relatively easy to get to, uh, easy to use, uh, pandemic friendly at the minute, of course, as well, because we're still not out of all that. You know, it's just great to have that space to do that. I think I always think about when I was growing up in my hometown of Grimsby, I, I didn't or certainly wasn't aware of anywhere like that being available to us. Uh, I think you could go and do private lessons like tutoring and stuff like that with, with guitars and whatnot, but I don't remember any specific studios being available to just openly rent to the public. Uh, and I think, check it out, just have a little Google in your area because it can really like open up so many doors just to things that you, you can't even imagine. So kind of being a prime example now, man, like about to have this first gig with a band, you know, we spoke to Reese on the last episode. It seems to be like, you know, my auto aren't just your sort of standard four piece. You know, you guys have got a, a mission to to be successful in what you do. Uh, and, and that would have all started just from you being curious enough to pick up a pair of drumsticks and, and give it a go and, and look at you now, man. It's his testament to like sticking with uh, passion projects. How oh, mate, you've got a way of words. <laughs> <laughs> you have, man. And also I'd like to add as well that, um, you know, Connor started when he was, what did you say, 11? Yeah, so? 11, yeah. Yeah, I'm 30 years old and I'm picking up my first pair of drumsticks, really. I mean, I did have one lesson when I was in primary school, but let's just forget about that entirely. <laughs> if you're I'm listening, 30. Mr. Jefferson. <laughs> yeah, that's where all your bad habits came from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm 30 years old and I'm picking them up. And, you know, thanks to like a little bit of, of passion from, from myself from the past and obviously from Connor and his patience, you know, you can pick it up. It doesn't matter what age you are. It's it's good to get into something new for sure, especially if you've had a passion for it. Definitely go for it. 
100 that's exactly why we're doing this podcast boys so thank you connor that's been really insightful yeah thank you thank you i enjoy talking about a passionate topic like that and i'm looking forward to hearing how everyone gets on with that so yeah cheers cheers man so it's time for our resident gorgeous geordie to bring it to the table george you've had bird watching comic books and a freestyle rapper if i'm not wrong so far <laughs> amongst other things yeah so what are you bringing for us this time around buddy Uh, so today I thought I'd um, bring to the table a podcast. Um, it's something that I may very well have uh, blagged your guys's head about previously because it's sort of been a bit of a, um, in the past maybe two months, a bit of a passion um, in, in terms of trying to turn my life around a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's it's also something that... I, I feel is quite important to everybody and I want to share it with the listeners at home as well as you guys, obviously. Um, so it is a podcast. And I think I mentioned it in one of the previous episodes, a podcast called Feel Better, Live More by Rongan Chatterjee. Have you guys heard of it? I don't think so. No. No? Okay. Well, in a nutshell, it's by a guy called Rongan Chatterjee, who's a medical doctor um, and he is also um, a BBC presenter. He is a massive advocate of nutritional health as well as, you know, the science behind um, nutritional health. So I wouldn't say it's groundbreaking. It's stuff that, you know, quite a lot of people are aware of, but it's trying to break down the barriers of um people trying to be healthy in a uh, more conventional way. So he talks a lot about gut health. He talks a lot about mental health. He talks a lot about uh, well-being and, you know, calmness and just try to live your life just a little bit better. But it covers so many different elements of our day-to-day -day lives. Um, some of the first few episodes that if you choose to go listen to this podcast you'll listen to are on gut health and what we eat and consume. Um, a few more cover sleep and how important sleep is to our well-being. Um, some might even cover uh, shoes and footwear and how important that is to your well-being. Okay. Um, but just to give you like maybe a little bit of a, a, a overview of, of some of the episodes that I've listened to, I'm only maybe 10 to 12 episodes in. I'm not far into his podcast. It's, he's been doing it for, for, for a fair bit of time. But I've learned some incredibly interesting information on things like gut health and the importance of, of a variety in your diet. So it might not be um, as specific as a diet. In fact, he talks quite a lot about how, you know, diets sometimes cut out quite a lot of food groups that are otherwise really good for your gut. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of people experience a lot of issues with their gut, things like, you know, IBS and stomach pains and cramps um, and, you know, 
things that you might not want to talk about things like stool and and, and stuff like that it's it's all quite um done on a professional level so it makes you feel a little bit grossed out about the the nastier parts of, of of eating food and what it might do to your body but what i found really interesting is um this aspect of of gut health and microbiomes and fiber in your diet um one of the the sort of key points that he likes to focus on quite a lot is a, a variety in your diet so he talks a lot about the um the idea of getting a rainbow style diet so a diet that includes a lot of different colors and a lot of different variants in your food things that you might find in a, in a salad or something like that with loads of like reds and greens and you know blues and things like that with like fruits and stuff and he talks about the importance of if eating that stuff so it can generate a healthy gut um, so I won't go into the, the science of it too much, but what I will say is that microbiomes are a good element to your, um, your chemistry within your gut. Mm -hmm. okay. So when you eat things, you're adding certain elements to your body that are helping create these microbiomes and microbiomes are created through eating a massive variety of things. So if you say, for instance, eat, uh, things like blueberries and different other elements of fruit, they are all generating microbiomes which help you digest things and make it a lot easier for your body to digest things and make you feel better about digesting things. Um, the, it, microbiomes come from absolutely everything. You know, you can ingest dirt, dirt off the ground, and it would create microbiomes. It's just basically, it's all down to gut health. But it's all quite interesting stuff. You know, he talks about um, fiber okay. and how, you know, our general perception of fiber is things like bran flakes and all bran mm. and, yeah. you know, boring stuff. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. Things that are like sort of generally considered to be fibrous, whilst you know, the good fiber, the really good fiber that you find in, in foods comes from things like fruits and vegetables that um, essentially act as the compost in your body for growing good microbiomes, good um, like sort of um, biotics and things like that. It's, it's all like sort oh, of connected. Okay. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's sort of opened my eyes to the gravity of needing to get various things in your body and a good variety of things in your body. So I've recently been uh, eating a lot more salads and really, really trying to eat more fruit, even though it's something that I'm not particularly fussed on. And I'm sure a lot of listeners at home and maybe yourselves as well find it really hard to eat like certain things like salads and like fruit because it is quite hard isn't it oh, definitely it's a big commitment to do isn't it yeah. but it is it is important and this podcast it really sort of hits home the importance of these things and um, but he does also go into to other things and you know he sort of elevates certain issues in the nation that the not necessarily massive at the moment and might not be like sort of well known by the general public uh things like sleep and how much that affects you and it affects your gut as well and it affects your stress levels and how you know stress can to massively lead to shortening your lifespan and things like that um it, it goes into things like uh footwear and how important it is to 
have good footwear and he talked about um sort of natives in africa and how they would walk in bare feet across savannah plains and how the people of india might walk barefoot in um sort of concrete jungles of, of india or you know hard surfaces and how they have the most healthiest feet out of all our nation and how the foot is so heavily linked to everything else you know like you you might have a problem with your back your shoulder or your neck or you might have migraines or you might have some other issue completely dissociated or at least you think to your feet whilst as you're know, changing your footwear and sort of working with um different elements of your feet or different elements of your hips or something like that might change yeah. your entire body and how it reacts to those things he talked a lot about it not just being one thing it being a multitude of things that all collate together to maybe cause that one issue in your body that you find to be quite a, a serious issue you might have a pain somewhere or you might have an ache somewhere and this could be solved simply by either changing your diet or changing some other like adverse thing that you you have absolutely no idea about but it's it's quite staggering stuff it's a lot of stuff that you you don't actually realize is, is going on with your body or with like medicine and its practices at the moment i'll give you maybe a, a couple examples so uh, yeah. cholesterol okay. cholesterol is something that we've all grown to fear um you know high cholesterol is bad well that's a, a defunct thought thing okay so cholesterol isn't actually bad for you. It's the thing that causes the cholesterol that is bad for you. So sometimes when you've got high uh, cholesterol, uh, it, some underlying issue could cause you to have cholesterol. And it could be linked to uh, things like heart failure and stuff like that. But in, in actual fact, cholesterol is actually quite good for you. It's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And he talks a lot about how doctors might prescribe things like statins to help um, with your cholesterol and your blood pressure. Um, when in actual fact, those statins might be doing more damage to your body than the cholesterol is itself. It's the things that are underlying that are more yeah. issues, if you, if you get me. Um, so it, it sort of just like teaches you a little bit more about your body and how you should maybe um, think about things and what you eat and, and your nutrition and and how you sort of maybe um react to certain and elements of your diet or health or well-being and obviously it includes things like your mental state and the other th good thing about the uh, podcast is that he gets a guest on each time and it could be anybody most often it's a medical professional or some other kind of professional who's got a, a wealth of expertise in a certain area i think there was like a, a ceo of clark's who talks about footwear and how oh, wow. <laughs> you know it's good to wear more shoes more akin to a barefoot feel rather than narrow narrowing the foot which is very bad for you Mm. Or you might get Jamie Oliver on, who obviously talks about uh, food and, you know, in schools and hospitals, changing the way he does things. It's it's all very interesting stuff. So my topic today was just that. And I wanted to sort of give a little bit of a, a brief example of what um, the, the podcast is about and see if you guys might find it 
interest in yourselves and whether you've had problems with things like gut health or any aches and pains that might be solved through something like this yeah 100 percent, man i mean <clears throat> i'm 31 and i've like i feel like my body's like slowly <laughs> starting to fail me like i feel like i need a uh, an mot i've had gut <laughs> problems in the past i had uh, had to have a, an endoscopy and colonoscopy which for anyone who isn't sure it's a one to camera down the throat uh, into your stomach and then the other one's a camera up your bum to your gut uh, at the same time luckily not the same camera uh, <laughs> nor at the same time no, that's, that's what the kid that's what the kids call flossing i believe um <laughs> no, it's, but yeah it's, it's a bit gross, i think i wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy it's such a <laughs> such a miserable um feeling and such a horrible experience to go through and effectively this is because i was going through issues with my stomach and my gut and they couldn't really kind of pinpoint what it was i'd been checked for things like ibs and obviously i think this podcast is a very positive podcast but it bears repeating that horrible stat that i think one in three or one in two people do get cancer in the uk um and it's just to chest things like that really and, and a lot of what my specialists were saying to me uh during that process was you know there are certain lifestyle changes you can make that will help that and i think that lends itself to what you were saying really george that you may think that solely uh, your diet may be causing you stomach issues but it can be things like stress uh, mental stress with with work or it can be staring at a screen too long it can be things that are wrong with your blood pressure due to your heart pumping blood around it, you know it's uh it's something that i've been more cautious of since then i mean jesus if you want a sobering experience have a camera shoved up your ass and it's something that i've been sort of acutely aware of but i've not listened to the podcast itself i presume that i think there's probably about a million of these different types of podcasts about with health experts saying one thing or another some people go down like a completely holistic approach don't they where they think that you can solve everything just from what you eat and drink um but i think with it being through the bbc it's quite a sort of big platform, isn't it? And it's probably something that I will check out. Do you get that off BBC Sounds or is it Spotify? Well, I, I, I will say he is a, a BBC presenter, but this is not through BBC. It's it's off his own back. You know, he's okay. got a very, um, he's, he's got a huge interest in learning more. A lot of people and, and a lot of doctors uh, sometimes refer to him as a little bit more unconventional than your standard doctor because okay. doctors you know they get taught things um they go through medical school and then what they know is what they know and it's blanket that you know it's black and white there's no deviation from that mm. whilst he has always had a, a massive massive want to learn more he never stops learning and you know you come out of medical school and five years later a lot of what you know has become completely defunct you know it's 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 become irrelevant because new science is happening all the time but what he tries to do is he tries to i can't remember the exact statistic but it's something along the lines of about 80 percent of the people that he gets into his medical practice can often be resolved through just you know maintaining your body a little bit better and being a little bit healthier and trying to you know add a variety to your diet or exercising more it's something we get like thrown down our throats a little bit but he tries to explain it in more of a the dumbed down way in in a sense you know he tries to explain it to people in a way that you might start to actually get on board with it 
Yeah. Um, but he, he almost defunct the use of medicine as the first point of call, which I do appreciate. You know, um, I've I've often been the kind of person to um, to go straight to medicine. Um, I'll give you an example. You know, I've had a really, really bad shoulder. My rotator cuff uh, was causing me so much pain. It would cause me not to sleep at night and it would be incredibly painful. It's something that I've experienced for the best part of, uh, I'd say, 20 years of my life, which is a long period of time to live in pain. And I would often take things like ibuprofen and maybe stronger drugs that um, I've gotten from doctors and things like that, a lot of anti-inflammatories. Uh, I went to a physiotherapist um, and they told me that I had a hyperflexible shoulder. And the reason my shoulder was causing me pain is because um, I was holding a lot of uh, stress and tense, tenseness or, or whatever, you know, in my tension. back. Tension, yeah. Tension, that's, that's, the, word. that's the word. Uh, a lot of tension in my back. And my back was causing me to roll, like, because I was sort of hunching it was causing my, my, my shoulder to be a bit displaced. And it turns out that relieving some of the stress in my back has caused my shoulder to be a lot better. And just doing simple exercises in the morning has is, is yeah. relieved a hell of a lot of pain that I never thought could be possible, you know? So, you know, it, it, it's various elements. It's all together gonna help you if you change certain aspects of your lifestyle. But listening to this podcast, it just sort of like, identifies little aspects that you might want to change that might help certain aspects of your life that you might not be happy with. Um, so yeah, I, I would recommend it very highly. It might sort of, you might have a eureka moment and change certain things about your lifestyle that would greatly help you in the future. Do you know that rainbow food bit you started off with? Yeah. What healthy foods are blue? <laughs> Uh, blueberries are one of the most healthiest uh, foods. They in- they include a lot of antioxidants. Yeah. Um, and antioxidants are, are, are quite an interesting um, aspect in itself. Um, okay. There's various things that can be put into your body and they, they massively help you. And antioxidants are a, a, a rejuvenating kind of um, aspect. Um, same with like probiotics and things like that. You know, they're just, they're very good for your body. And it massively help you. But going back to sort of like the, the medicine aspect of it as well, probiotics are, are, are quite an um, important part of your makeup when you're taking antibiotics. And going back to the whole medicine side of it, if you're taking antibiotics, they often change some of the aspects of your uh, gut mm-hmm. and yeah. sometimes can uh, make you less able to digest certain food groups and things like that. So things like probiotics, things that can be found in like yogurts and stuff like that can be quite beneficial to that. It's, it's interesting because in some places in Europe, when they prescribe antibiotics, they actually prescribe probiotics as well in order to help you. It's just not something that's done in England, which, um, you know, is, is quite an interesting thing and maybe should be practiced in England, but is not. <laughs> mm. Yeah, sure. Okay. So just blueberries at the moment, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's other blue foods, isn't there? There's, um, I mean, blackberries are kind of blue. Like, do they count? Uh, I'm not. I'm not trying to be funny. I, I can't think of anything else. It's bugging me. <laughs> blue, blue smarties. Yeah, blue smarties. <laughs> blue cheese. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> blue cheese. Blue wicked. 
Yeah, Blue Wicked. There you go. Blue Plaster. No, it's, uh, it's really interesting stuff, George. I think, you know, we've spoken about sort of the importance of uh, picking up like a passion project from what Connor was saying. And I think that extends on nicely to what you've been saying there about taking care of yourself, both mentally and physically. And it's something that I've not really done very well. Uh, I think I'd, I'd be the first to admit that. Uh, and it's something that I am cautious of changing. I've just never really had it compartmentalised uh, to me uh, in a way that I'd be sort of interested in listening to. So I think that podcast might be something that is is something that'd be worthwhile sort of plugging into. So just remind us again of the name of it for anyone listening who wants to get involved in that as well. Yeah, of course. So it can be found on uh, Spotify, which is where I'm listening on. I'm sure you could find it elsewhere. I know it's on um, iTunes and things like that. Uh, but it's called Feel Better, Live More by Rongan Chatterjee. Um, and they tend to be about uh, 45 minutes to an hour. And they're really good and interesting listen. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for that. And, and again, like we said, with the drumming and the instrument thing, if you've had any sort of experiences in the past where it's kind of kick-started you into changing your lifestyle or any sort of previous scares, or even just found a similar type podcast or a book or whatever it may be that has kind of prompted you to, to have a change of mind and, and look after yourself, then get in touch at BitPod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we can be emailed as well. For those minor few who do send in emails, I might as well throw the inbox in the bin. We've had one email so far across six episodes. People are way more in touch with social media these days than emails. I'm wondering if it was even worth fucking getting. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Well, thank you, G. Uh, interesting, yeah, thanks, as always. Thank you. So just leaves little old me then to bring to the table my topic this week. Bring it to the Uh, so today I am going to be bringing a game to the table and it is a board game of sorts. However, there is no board uh, and there is no dice. It is a game that I have played with you before, actually, George, so you'll be very familiar with it. It is the Sherlock Holmes consulting detective game. Yes, love it. So this game is a puzzle game effectively you play the role of the baker street's irregulars who are the people who used to help sherlock holmes with sort of minor crimes and things like that so he's obviously a brilliant detective from fiction he used to have a group of people along with dr watson who would just help him and whatnot in the game it's around 30 quid uh, to pick up from amazon there's about four different editions the editions i've got is the thames murders and other cases and as I say, they're not traditional in the board game sense. So there is no board as such. There is a map of London that is numbered. Um, I think it's around one to about 100 uh, for different places. So you'll have things like uh, Regent's Park, uh, Hyde Park, all of the stations, all of the theatres and things like that. It's a fairly large map, which I'm just showing on the camera now to, for the boys. And there are basically nine cases and each case is, depending on how quickly you solve them, they can take around three to four hours to play. Um, case one is the oldest, uh, the cryptic corpse is the name of it. And basically you get a little synopsis of a story. So you'll open it up and it'll give you a little introduction as to the crime. 
uh, and then it's up to you basically and however many people you play with to go around London solving it. You question people, you go to different locations to find different clues. It's quite word heavy. It's got more in style with things like Dungeons and Dragons than it has with something like Monopoly. You know, you've got a directory of London which you go through to find different places, uh, which is fairly hefty. And you'll have a set of newspapers from that particular date that the case is on. In the papers, you may find certain clues to different things, but other things are completely irrelevant. So it'll tell you, for example, uh, births, marriages, deaths, plus a bunch of other stuff. And some of it's pertinent and some of it's just complete, complete red herrings, if you like, or, or not even relevant to the case. I've played it with my partner, Charlie. We've played a few cases. She absolutely loves it. You can also play it as a, as a bigger group. And the way that we've been doing it is that you kind of, uh, you'll, you'll pass the book around uh, that has the, the clues in it and the narrative. And each term, it'll be somebody's choice to go to a different location or a different person within the story to find out the next thing. You might go to the crime scene first. You may go to... Uh, the, the widow of the guy who's been murdered. You may go to taxi company in London because they're quite involved with different manoeuvres around London, so they see more things. Uh, and yeah, you, you have to effectively solve it in as few clues as possible. But the benefit of the game is to take your time and explore the case thoroughly. The, the idea being that you've got to beat Sherlock's score. Ultimately, I've played through four or five different cases now, and... On every single occasion, Sherlock has done it in about four or five clues. If you did that, <laughs> you'd have either played it before and known the answer, or you'd have just had an absolute mad leap of faith. Because as Georgia will be able to attest to from when we played it together, we went through about 30 different clues and we were close in some parts, quite far apart in others. Um, I think the whole point of the game is that you're not really supposed to beat Sherlock. Um, it, it's very much sort of like a little cheeky thing at the end where it's like, obviously I've done it much quicker because I'm a genius. But yeah, no, it, it's really cool. I, I'd love to be able to, to play it with you guys like in person once we've uh, once we're able to be indoors together, uh, which isn't too far off now. Uh, but yeah, so this week I just thought I'd, I'd bring a, a game to the table because yeah, it's absolutely brilliant, and I can definitely attest to to playing it with you that it, it is great. I would say the, the the fun part of the game is just going through the clues and trying to decipher in your mind what the actual answer is. So it, it becomes a more a, a case of regardless of where you beat Sherlock or not, which let's face it, you're not going to do. <laughs> it's it's just fun to sort of talk with each other in a group and try and like discern what exactly is going on, who the murderer is or what the crime is or whatever. And it becomes almost, um, I would almost describe it as uh, an escape room within your own home, but it's more about a murder than it is about, you know, escaping a room. <laughs> I just wrote that, that as a question. I was like, is it a bit like an escape room then? As soon as you said the word escape room, I've just written it. Great timing. Well, yeah, well, I match. do think it's like that. I yeah. honestly do. I think, you know, you, you get these little packages that you can get home and escape, like, your own home or whatever, and it's like a, a game within its own right. Well, I would rather go to something like this, the Sherlock Holmes game, that mm. simply does it better. And it is a very, very clever game. 
what strikes me with uh, escape rooms is that once you do it once, that's it. And I mean, I know you can get loads of different escape rooms and they do change it up, but how much replay value has this game got then? There, there are nine cases um, and they're all quite deep in terms of the the clues that go on and, and the things that happen. I could probably, uh, once I've played through the nine, go back to the first case and have very little memory of of how it ended up. Okay. Um, there might be certain points throughout it that like trigger me to go, oh yeah, um, I remember now. But it, it's not the, it's quite a long game. You normally, I mean, me and Charlie have spent sort of five, six hours doing it. I think when we played George, we were about three or four. And it all depends sort of how quickly you want to play it. You know, if you want to like sort of role play it a little bit and do some accents and voices, you can have a bit of a mess around like that. But if you want to just kind of like whiz through it, I imagine that you'd you'd probably retain a little bit more information because you, you kind of like bang, bang, bang. What happens when you play it in bigger groups, I've found, or a bit more like carefree with a few drinks and whatnot, you end up sort of convincing yourself that it is somebody who's guilty. You just kind of like narrow down on that path and, and miss a lot of clues around you. So there's uh, there, there is replayability in it. And I think the beauty of it is that because of the way the map is, it, it, there's expansions for it. So I think you can buy maybe three or four more different lots of cases, which will be around seven or eight or nine different cases on top of that. Yeah, it'll, it'll still centre in London. And, and they are really clever. So they all kind of like interlink uh, all of the papers. The way that it works is there are nine newspapers. And in the first case, you get one. In the second case, you get one and two. And then there'll be clues. So in the fifth case, for example, you'll have five papers and there'll be clues in the first paper that link to the fifth case. And you've just got to, So you've got to read through like five lots of newspapers that are only uh, two sided, I think, A5 sheets. Uh, so they're, they're a little bit bigger than usual, but it's um, it's just a good bit of fun. It's kind of a, it's nothing that I've really played much of before. I'm very much kind of like a, um, more basic board game type guy. This was the first game that sort of got me a little bit more open to them. Uh, and then as such, I've been able to play like more board games that require sort of a little bit higher levels of uh, attention and, and get and strategy, I suppose. But yeah, I'd recommend it to anyone. It's, it's kind of like oldie Sherlock. So people have probably seen, you know, the, the Benedict Cumberbatch version. You might've seen the Robert Downey Jr. version. You might even have listened to like the audio books that Stephen Fry does. It's kind of like the original Sherlock Holmes uh, character and, and it's very, uh, you know, 1800s London. But yeah, I love it. It's, uh, it's really cool. It's pretty cheap. As I say, it's like 31 quid. And I think I always, whenever I buy a game, whether it be a, a PlayStation game or a board game, I try and sort of look at the value against how many hours you play it for. And I think for 31 quid, it's an absolute steal, to be honest. I would, I would absolutely agree. I think for me, the, the replay value is not so much as that. You know, I don't necessarily think it's got a great deal of replay value. Once you kind of know the crime, it becomes a little mm. bit hard to play it again. But what I would say is, yeah, you, you've hit the nail on the head. I think the, the value for money is brilliant. And it's very cleverly written. You know, it's not it's not a dumb game. It's not something where you just roll a dice and chance will sort of give you your reward. This the reward comes from trying to be smart yourself and trying to decipher 
the clues and i think in some aspects there is actually ciphers you know i've not actually done it but mm. i remember you saying web that um there was a cipher in one of them it, it, and it's it's almost ludicrous you have to really really think hard about it but the the clever aspect of it comes i think from you know you get one newspaper in the first one two newspapers in the second and three blah blah, blah. it goes on like that and i think you know having clues throughout all these newspapers when you're on like the, the fifth or sixth mission you'll have clues throughout the entirety of all these newspapers that you've already read previously i think it's just it's it's clever it's brilliant and um you know i i, I would say it's it's you're right it's for you know your heavy board game players but it's also for you newcomers as well i think it's a great little entry level as well as for your completely like experienced board game players that have played millions of them before you'll you'll never find one quite like this i don't think anyway i've done a bit of maths for us guys for these stat people out there i've worked out how much you'd pay an hour for this game so based on a game being three or four hours, I've gone 3.5 hours. I've times that by nine, which is the amount of cases. Indeed. So that makes it 31, uh, 31.50. And then we're going to divide that by how much it costs, which is 31, right? <laughs> yeah. So that comes to 0 0.98. So it's 98 pence an hour. Well worth you it. You can't get well a beer for that. When you put no. it like that, yeah. <laughs> and if you're splitting it with four mates as well, what's that? 25p each? Yeah. Prior to coming on to this show, I decided to watch a couple of like YouTube reviews of it just to see how people are finding it because I do find myself sometimes falling in love with something and then finding out that it's been shot to shit by, by you know, reviewers, like uh, quite quite renowned reviewers or whatnot. But what a lot of people have said is that there's uh, different sort of techniques to play in it. Um, so... I know that when we played it, George, as a four, we would pass the book around to read and we'd also pass a pad around to make notes. There's different sort of variations you can do. So you can nominate two people to write the clues and then you can nominate two people to solely read. Uh, and, and Dave said that doing that, uh, nominating one person specifically to read the clues out kind of gives you that um, same voice so that you can concentrate a little bit more on what's going on rather than sort of passing it around a group and getting different people read different bits. So th there's different like things you can do to it as well. It's not quite as sort of stringently rule-based. There isn't like one character playing one thing. You can, you can kind of set it up basically how you like, um, which I think is quite nice because like you said, George, if you are maybe new to it, you might not want to sit and read like a huge clue out to the rest of the group you might prefer to listen to it and, and pick bits from it. And, and I think it, that's that's quite good in that way. Yeah, I also think um, as well, um, like some people might be put off by the suggested or implied uh, three to four hour gameplay. Um, if you wanted to play it in more of like a, a speed run-esque way, you can try and beat Sherlock, like I, I believe you said before, you know, he gets it in like two to three clues. Mm. So you could be quite strategic about it and choose very carefully who you go and interview or who or what location you go to to try and find clues and try and do it in a much less time. I would say that the, the game could easily be completed in under an hour if you wanted to go really quick with it. I mean, I personally would advise against that because the fun is, you know, talking about it and 
you know, experiencing it as a, a group of people trying to decipher it yourself. So I'd maybe advise against that. But if you did want to go fast, you could. Yeah, just to explain that to Connor and other people who may not have played it who are listening as well. Uh, at the end of the game, you get four main questions. Uh, these will typically be who killed so-and-so, why did they do it, uh, what did they use to do it, and, and these are worth like big points. And then you'll get four secondary questions, and these can be about sort of a side thing that's been happening throughout the case, and they're worth around five or ten points. Uh, and effectively, if you get all eight right, you can end up with sort of like 140 points. Uh, and the idea is then that however many that Sherlock has done it in, you take away 10 points for every one, every clue that you've gone ahead of him. So if it takes you 10 clues and he's done it in five, you'd lose 50 points off your 150. Okay. Um, just for a bit of context there, in, when me and Charlie played it through on our first go in the first case, we ended up on minus 40 points because we'd been like literally around London, like trying to figure out what had gone on. We got every single question right. We were buzzing, got like 130 or 140 points. And then Sherlock had done it in like four clues. We'd done it in like 33. <laughs> so we ended up minusing like so many points <laughs> off. But again, it's not it's not really about that. I think like George said, if you wanted to try and have a little stab after five clues, go for it. Because it's great if you're right, but I don't think the game's designed for you to get all of the information that quickly. Uh, and if you do, then maybe apply to be an actual detective because <laughs> <laughs> you're a genius. So yeah, that's um, that's my thing for this week, boys. It, I know it's um, it's a little bit hard to describe something like a board game over a audio platform, but again, the links to it will be in our show notes. Uh, and I'd highly advise, like you know, if someone's got like a birthday coming up, or if you've got maybe a, a gathering coming up to celebrate, like people being back indoors together and stuff, uh, it's such a cool idea. And I know that I'm excited to play it with you guys. I think Sarah and Fern should definitely get involved as well. And I think, yeah, it's just going to be uh, a lot of fun. So, yeah, the, my my thing for this week uh, for Bring It to the Table is Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, the board game. Bring it to the table! Okay, so that's going to be us then for this week again, boys. We're going to be back again in a fortnight with some more interesting stuff. We've got another exciting guest coming up as well shortly after that, so do keep listening along. As I say, anything that's struck a chord on today's show, do get in touch at BitPod on Twitter and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And there's just going to be more and more stuff that we can keep trying to include every show that we're into. I know that Sometimes the preparation's a little bit short. That's just from us all being pretty busy dudes, but we hope that it comes across like these are our genuine interests. And I think that today it definitely has been. So thank you all for listening. Uh, I'm going to say bye and Connor. Yeah, thanks again, guys. It's always a pleasure to be listened to. Thanks so much. Much love, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Peace out. Bye.